two games, BU Providence, UNC, U and or UNBC, UNC. Holy smokes. Hang in there, Rye. Um, <laughs> but basically, BU Providence, local, local little rivalry. Uh, you got Boston, you got Providence, AT. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Providence in 2016 leading up to their first game of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, Providence, they're, they're, they're coming off a overall record 7-9 in 2016, 1-4 in the Big East. Uh, they go into 2017 in the also receiving votes category, which isn't bad. It's sort of the unofficial teams ranked 21 to whatever, 30, 20. something like that. Oh, so they go up to 30 now? Uh, you know, it's just it's everybody that's in the also receiving votes that's not gotcha. the top 20. So gotcha. sort of the best outside of the top 20. Um, and uh, you can look at their team. There's a team that came off. They scored, they scored a little over nine and a half goals a game in 2016, shooting 30%. You know, they do lose their leading score from last year in stud, Will Mazzone. He was the Army transfer who ended up, I think, I think playing his last two years at PC, but, you know, was a very, very good player in high school and, and was very good at army and then ended up transferring to PC and doing, having a great career there. So, uh, but they lose him, but they do return attackman, Brendan Kearns, 22 goals, 18 assists, midfielder, Keenan Asaraf, 30 goal, uh, 20 goals and three assists, 20 goals, good number for a midfielder, especially returning midfielder Absolutely. and midfielder, Joe McHale at five goals and 15 assists. And in order to get, that amount of assists out of a midfielder, uh, you know, bodes well for them as they sort of look to find a new playmaker on the offensive end. The defense, you know, letting up just under 11 goals a game, but they return all three starters. Uh, Jared Newman, stud, probably their best overall player uh, and their best defenseman. Jared Barkley, Jimmy Cunningham. Again, these guys started all year last year. Uh, and in the goal, Tate Boyce, who... I, in my opinion, was was arguably the best freshman goal, or pr- pretty close. One of the very, very best goaltenders in the country in his class, and I think in all of college across after this season is over. Saved the ball 53% of the time, let up 10.7 goals a game, but is a great athlete, throws great outlets, and again, I think that that's going to be a noticeable strength for Providence this year. You know, they, you look at their face-off act. To me, that's that's the question for this team. They do return Colin McKendry, who won 46% of his draws last year, but they were just 40% as a team. And to me, uh, that's the biggest concern is, is who is Providence going to be at the face-off act? And if they can find an answer there, I think that they're going to be better in 2017 than they were last year. But but that's to be determined. So special situations, man up, they scored basically 30% of the time. Man down defense was successful 66% of the time. Um, you know, again, this team needs to win face-offs. Absolutely. And if you're going up against BU, uh, you've got to win face-offs, and it's not an easy task. Yeah. Um, BU looking off. I mean, look, you've got a program now that finally has leadership. They've got you know upperclassmen. Um, and upperclassmen that have had significant impact from day one in a program that's brand new. Uh, and that is powerful, especially what Ryan Poley has done uh, to this point um, in his career in Boston. Uh, if you look at the lineup, they've got everyone coming back. Cal Durth, 
who, by the way, have you seen his mullet? It's incredible. You got Mikey Schlosser <laughs> and Cal Darth with the greatest mullet mustache combos. Darth has got a little more bushier eyebrows, which kind of pulls it off a little bit better. Mikey Schlosser has got the personality. Of course, I've never met Cal, but uh, you've got 28 points coming back. You've got Jack Wilson coming back. you got Ryan Hilburn. That together, let me add them all up. Not very good. 60, 70, 80 points right there between the three. Um, that's important. <laughs> and you got Elliot Burr rounding out that what's supposedly probably going to be the attack. Um, so you got Hilburn, Wilson, and Burr, which is pretty neat. Uh, and then you've got everyone obviously coming back in the midlines too. You've got Homar, you've got Ruiz, McLean, Darth, you've got everyone uh, in your program for the third straight year playing together, which was a, a luxury that I had when I was at Michigan, and it's a luxury that Richmond has had, the luxury that Amplo is going to have at Marquette, where you're coaching the same kids for four straight years. Yeah. I mean, that that is a huge, huge advantage to all these new programs that not a lot of people uh, look at. Um, but certainly uh, in terms of, you know, when I was talking to Poli, you know, before the show uh, and trying to get him, you know, some information about Boston, I mean, the major focuses for the year is consistency across all facets of the, facets of the program. Uh, last year and two years in a row, they've lost big heartbreaking games to Holy Cross to end their season, uh, basically. Um, and so how do they do that? Two, three things that he mentioned that were really important for him. Uh, we're limiting turnovers, of course, because as a young program, that's what you're going to do. You're going to throw the ball away a lot. Uh, clearing the ball, uh, which is big. Uh, and then their offensive efficiency, maintaining uh, that they continue to score goals as much as they can. Um, you know, in terms of the game plan going into this, you're relying on two major keys for BU. Those keys are Sam Talco at the X, who is a monster, yeah. uh, an obvious All-American candidate, and you've got a monster in Cage and Carson Bannister. Uh, those two are your leaders. They're basically the heart of that program. You could argue right now that BU isn't BU without Sam Talco getting you 60-plus percent at the faceoff X, and Carson Bannister matching that up with a same similar guy that you have a lot of respect for going into the Providence game. He also was 53%. Yep. Um, these two guys, um, it's going to be a goalie off. And it's going to be determined. The game, ultimately, for me, is going to be determined based off of how Providence is going to handle Sam Talco at the X. No, no question about it. That's exactly how I see it. I, I have a ton of respect for Carson Bannister in Nets for BU. He was one of the best goalies in the, in, in the country last year. Obviously, you know how I feel about Tate Boyce. I said the same thing about him. I see that as a wash. Yep. Um, the, the, the major, major difference in the game is Sam Talco. And if Providence can keep this a low scoring game and eliminate the advantage that we both feel BU will get at the X, that's going to be their chance to win. Not because they, you know, aren't as athletic, not because they aren't as deep, but if you give Sam Talco 30 chances at the faceoff X and he goes out and wins 80%, which we feel he's going to, Tough to beat a team when they're winning 24 faceoffs and you're winning six. Right. They're just going to wear you down. Right. And I, I think these teams are so much closer than 
I believe this final score will indicate. I think BU wins this game, and I think they win big. I think they win, you know, something like 14 to 6 or something like that. And I feel like the major difference is going to be because they simply have the ball all the time. The entire time. The entire time. Right. And that, to me, is going to be the difference. I just see Providence defense, even though they're very, very talented, return a ton of uh, veterans and have a great goalie in the cage. I just see them wearing down. And what may be an 8 6 game at half, I think BU runs away with it in the second half. So, um, you know, I, I think we're in agreement there. So, I think we'll one of I think one of the things too that Providence could do uh, is throw a zone at them, and Providence is known to do that. And I think that if you're BU, you're a little concerned about that. Uh, I would be smart, very um, smart. And if you aren't going to see the ball that often. You can slow the game down playing defense, believe it or not. Um, the problem is, is of course, like we always talk about, once you go down by three, four goals, you can't really slow the game down anymore. You got to pick up the pace and you got to be able to close the gap. But I think that one of the keys for BU going into this is managing what Providence throws at them defensively. Are they going to throw a zone at them? Are they going to slide fast? Are they going to get out and pressure hands? Are they going to make this the sloppiest game they possibly can because it is <laughs> early in the season and force everyone, including maybe even a 10-man ride, because while Carson Bannister can absolutely save the ball, can he clear the ball? And can he get it done? Um, And I think that Providence is looking into this weekend with those uh, certainly aspects in mind. But again, like you said, AT, this this 100% comes down to uh, Providence's ability to slow down Sam Talco. And know this too, Sam Talco can attack the cage. Yeah. And if you let him off and all of a sudden, boom, 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 you could literally shake hands as a coach is, walk back to your bench and you're down three nothing because you just I know. And it's know. it's scary to think that, but it happens. I like your call in the zone though. I think that that will be, you know, listen, it, 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 if, they're, if they run an effective zone, which is easier said than done in the beginning of the year. Of course. Uh, you know, they're going to force BU to play together on the offensive end. And just seeing that, Stick mistakes are more prevalent in the beginning of the season than they are at the end. So is your ability to play together. Right. And, you know, but, but, but that demand is only placed on BU's offense if Providence College is able to be well-organized as a zone defense, which also takes time. Um, so that's an interesting call. But, if, but I, I like it. I think, I, I think that's something that, uh, you know, will certainly keep the game closer if, if Providence can effectively run his own, his own defense. Sure. Moving on to the next one on the docket. We got UNC, UMBC, AT, your defending national champions, your boy, Bresci, comes into this one. Yeah. And we've already kind of battled this one out when we talk about the ACC rundown. But I'm not 100% sold on UNC's ability. Look, it's one of the hardest things on the planet to repeat as national champions. So that's a little unrealistic. Obviously, if they can do that, Brescia goes down as one of the best coaches of all time. But in terms of getting back to the Final Four, I'm a little worried. Talk to me about what UNC needs to focus on this year and then leading into this weekend against UNBC. Look, UNC, I... I think they I think they're going to win it again. 
Wow. Now, I hope Brown does. <laughs> uh, I hope Dartmouth does. It, I want <laughs> UNC to win it. I think Joe Bresci will go down as one of the best coaches in the history of Division One men's lacrosse. Um, you know, certainly the opportunity to continue, uh, you know, his quest for that kind of adulation mm-hmm. uh, is is right there for the taking in if he's able to go back to back, that's something that, you know, is extremely rare. Um, you know, with that said, I think we look at what Carolina did in 2016. And I think you really look at two different teams. You've got the team in the regular season, um, which still had a great regular season. And then you have, you don't have UNC, you have Chris Cloutier in the postseason. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, this is just a totally different Totally. They, you know, they, they stepped up in a major, major way where people would look at UNC and what they've done in the playoffs, you know, the previous six years before last season. And you would say, look, here's a team that's done well in the regular season that hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs for whatever reason. Now, one of the reasons is they ran into Denver three years in a row and that can certainly <laughs> be <the> way. <laughs> With that said, they got it done last year in a big, big way and got a huge, uh, you know, gorilla off their back. Right. Uh, look, they, they were 12 and six. And three and one in the ACC in 2016, they ended up winning the national championship and they really took off in the playoffs. You know, you look at their offense, the greatest thing that Carolina's offense has going for it is the return of David Metzbauer for his third year as their offensive coordinator. You know, listen, he's, he's, he's probably the best offensive mind in the sport. Uh, you know, I would say Matt Brown is right there with him at Denver, but based on you know, what's happened lately, you got to look at Dave Metzbauer as the best offensive coordinator in the country right now. Carolina scored over 13 goals per game. They shot 33%. You know, they do lose Steve Pontrella, who was their, you know, leading scorer last year in 2016. And in my opinion, got screwed out of some first team All-American votes. I was shocked that he was only an HM. You know, to me, he, he played like a first team All-American last year. Uh, but as you know, they returned Chris Cloutier, 57 points, which, Seems like fifty of them were done in the playoffs last year. I think it was. I think it was legitimate. Forty-one percent. Forty-one percent of his goal output. He's a proven goal scorer, right? Um, and, and came off a huge NCAA tournament, and that's when you want your players to step up and play their best. And to his credit, he certainly did. And and I had doubted him over the course of uh, April and May last year. Um, but to me, the the bigger player for Carolina on the offensive end is Luke Goldstock. He returns fifty-three points, and to me, he's the key. Um, Pat Kelly seems to be the guy that's going to be stepping in at X 27 goals, 11 assists last year. To me, that's the biggest position for them. Who's going to be the quarterback for this team, knowing that Luke Goldstock is a natural goal scorer. And to me, it's Pat Kelly. If Pat Kelly can run this offense and step in and make the jump from, you know, 40 points in one year to 70 or 80 the next year, I think that this offense is going to be even scarier in 2017 than they were last year. You know, Mike Tagliaferri comes back, 27 goals, nine assists. To me, he played like a first-team All-American in, in a lot of the games last year, uh, but he needs to stay healthy. Who's the next scoring midfielder for Carolina? You know, that's another question. Who, who's the next guy? If Tags is their best, most dangerous midfielder, who's their next guy? Is it Peyton Kowinski? You know, is it one of these freshmen, Justin Anderson, um, Will Perry from Greenwich, both freshmen who I know are, are scheduled to play big time game minutes on our big time minutes on game day. Uh, you know, and to me, Carolina, while winning on offense last year, I think this is the year and I think they're going to be better on offense this year than they were last year. But to me, I think this is the year 
where we look at Carolina and we see a team that wins on defense, right? They let up 10 and a half goals a game last year. They return Austin Pafani, Jack Rowlett, Ryan McCree. Um, you know, they lose Zach Powers, who I think was their third defenseman last year. But in Pafani and Jack Rowlett, you have two legitimate first-team All-American defensemen. In my opinion, two of maybe the top six, seven defensemen in the country on one defense. Um, you know, but, but who are going to be their short stick D-middies? We know they have recruited a ton of unbelievable athletes and unbelievable talent. But they lose Jake Mattia and Shane Simpson, who were three- and four-year starters for them at a position which is arguably the most important position on the field. Um, so that's going to be a question mark going into this year. That's fair uh, enough. And, you know, what's not a question mark for me is at the faceoff X. Stephen Kelly coming off of 58% last year. He does it all. He's the heart and soul of this team. He was three and six from the break. He would, in my opinion, be a you know a first-line offensive midfielder if he wasn't so valuable to this team at the faceoff X. He had 126 ground balls. No one's tougher. No one's more proven than Stephen Kelly for this team. And then you look in the goal, you got Brian Balcom, started, I think, 17 of 18 games for them last year. Uh, was huge down the stretch in the NCAA tournament, just like Chris Cloutier was on the offensive end. Um, his season stats don't wow you, you know, under 50% save percentage, but it was much higher than that in the playoffs when it mattered most, letting in just under 10 goals a game. I just think that Carolina is going to win on defense this year, not offense, but I think that their offense, with that said, will still be even better than they were last year. Man up, they, you know, look, they scored 50% at man up which is unbelievable stopped the other team's man up their man down was almost 70 percent with the return of dave metzbauer i just see this team as the team to beat in division one lacrosse and i hope for the sake of joe bresci and uh you know their returning players that they get it done again this year i'd love to see carolina win the national championship if brown can't i'd love to see it be north carolina so um this is going to be a scary team rd well, I, I don't disagree that UNC will generally be a scary team going into uh, 2017. I just don't necessarily know if it's going to get the same performance. Um, when we talk on the other side of the ball, the team they're going to face this year, brand new coach in Ryan Moran, uh, coming from Loyola. Um, he's got his hands full. Uh, losing Nate Lewins is obviously a huge hit to the program, but you got another kid named Max Maxwell who's basically the jack-of-all-trades attackman. He can do everything. Feed, dodge, finish. Uh, he's got range. Uh, he's got all the things that you want in attackman, which is a really nice thing to build on. The only problem is, is you're dealing with the fact that he's a senior. Um, the other piece of this, and looking when we talk a little bit about uh, their matchup against UNC, Jason Brewster, uh, is a sophomore captain on defense, uh, is a really, really solid prospect. Um, and when you look at what UNC has or doesn't have on the attack side, this could be an interesting matchup between, say, Brewster and Kelly, depending on how they want to do it. Because as you already mentioned, Goldstock's not a guy that's going to quarterback this offense. Uh, one of the things I do think that obviously UMBC is going to struggle with, um, they've got, they've been, you know, the head coach and, and talking to Ryan Moran, Jameson uh, Kester and Ryan Moran have been, you know, kind of going back and forth 
uh, with uh, Jake Brothers and Ryan Baker at the Faceoff Facts, trying to figure out the best fit uh, there. And obviously, like everything else, and you know this AT better than anyone. Um, you know, sometimes it's paper, rock, scissors, and some sometimes one guy's got it, and sometimes the other guy got it. It's always a matchup deal. So, right. uh, hopefully, that um, you know they can defuse UNC at the Faceoff X. Um, and then in terms of you know goalie play, Ryan Moran is talking about three guys, Rustin Souter, Connor Gordon, and David Pasanek as guys who could cont- compete on game day. They've got three guys battling it out, and they're going to find out who's going to start on game day come probably Friday, which is uh, it could be a really good thing. Or not a good thing, right? I mean, if you got three guys fighting it out, hopefully they're all three All-American type goalies. Or if you got three guys fighting it out, because you're going to look at who can get 45% save percentage at the best, right? right. Um, you know, how, how does how does UMBC win the game? UMBC has to defuse the face-off X. That's for sure. Um, and you got to figure they've got to put a lock on Kelly because I'm assuming that's who's going to quarterback the offense. And if you put a lock on Kelly, Goldstock doesn't see the ball. Neither does Cloutier see the ball. But yep. the other issue is Justin Anderson. Taglia Ferry's a great, great midfielder, but I really feel like Justin Anderson, he's like a 35-year-old freshman. He's not really a freshman. Um, you know, he went on his two-year Mormon mission. This kid's coming into this uh, Division I lacrosse. He's going to scare a lot of people. Um, and so if they can defuse uh, UNC's midfield, I think that uh, in the end, they've got a shot at this. But again, it comes back to their experience against UVA, Bucknell, and Loyola preseason in their scrimmage. You know, they've seen some tough talent, so uh, they've got enough experience to hopefully put together a good enough game plan, secure themselves at the faceoff X, secure themselves in net uh, to put up as much as they can against, obviously, the defending national champions. Yeah, I, I don't agree with you. I mean, I, uh, I should say I don't disagree with you. You know, look, they didn't play in 2016. This is a relatively new game. Um, I think the key for North Carolina is exactly what you're saying. Stephen Kelly needs to do what Stephen Kelly has done since yeah. he's been in Chapel Hill. And he needs to dominate the X, which I believe he will do so. Uh, and Carolina needs to shoot well. Um, it sounded like in reading about their scrimmage versus Navy this past weekend that they played really well and generated some super high quality shots, but didn't shoot particularly well. Uh, but seeing that they're coming off a season where they shot 33% last year, if they're gen- if they're winning 58% of the faceoffs or more, and they'll probably be more this year, and they're able to shoot 33%, I think that their offense is going to be in good shape. I think one sort of intangible or subjective area of the game, which I think is critical for North Carolina, is that with Ryan Moran stepping in as the new head coach for UMBC, you know that they are going to play hard and they're going to have a game plan, which if they execute with intensity they are going to be in the game and i think it's critical that north carolina coming off of winning the national championship does not wait around before they get going because if they give umbc life at the front end of this game they're going to be in for a scary scary game so i think it's critical critical that north carolina uh gets out to a fast start and and you know is able to take the wind out of UMBC sales. And if they're able to do that and Stephen Kelly's consistent, um, you know, I see Carolina being able to uh, coast in this game. If they don't, this could be a game which could get scary down the stretch uh, because Ryan Moran is going to have his guys ready to go and his guys, uh, you know, have nothing to lose coming to this game. So let's see what happens with Carolina. 
Let's see who steps forward as their playmaker at X. Let's see who their second midfielder is. It might be Justin Anderson, I hear he is an absolute stud. So it's going to be fun to watch and follow the outcome of this game as well. He's a freak. Uh, that's all for the show today. We will see you tomorrow with another breakdown of a couple more games uh, leading into the first week of 2017. Exciting. Follow us on In Your Face Lacks, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, of course, um, and of course, YouTube and everything like that. We're all up on there. Uh, but in the meantime, we will see you tomorrow. Maximize your comfort.